0: what is up everybody welcome to the week 11 dfs mvp podcast i'm your host tj hernandez the director of dfs at 444.com as always with my co-host mr john daigle daigle what is up welcome to week 11 sir snowing here in chicago
1: 25 degrees blistering wind i wake up and my iphone now has a lot of colors and block letters that I don't know how to navigate because you can't ruin my routine like that suddenly in week 11. So my life is falling apart. Other than that, though, I think I'm ready for a week 11 DFS slate yeah well luckily
0: uh we got some domes to save us from that snow um one in detroit and and your local team is out of uh out of there so that's okay um just a reminder before we get started everybody the 444 subscription price has dropped by 50 percent. original price of 99 dollars for the dfs sub is down to 49 dollars. so make sure you get signed up for that so you can get access to all of our content tools and the discord channel that we discuss here every single week. Let's jump right into week 11. Uh, every week we get the pod started by talking about uh, the major factor that we're considering when we are building our DFS lineups this week, what our major decision point is, and what are you looking at this week that is the key?
1: It is a another slate where, on DraftKings in particular, we are looking at value chalk, except this time it's between the Offense in Justin Fields and David Montgomery. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on how you right now are handling it outside of cash games, since 7,600 is a little more pressing, a little more forcing the issue than 6,500 for Justin Fields. But if Fields puts up another 40 point game and his third consecutive overall QB one week, obviously 7,600 is too cheap. And given the matchup, it probably is too cheap anyhow, but at least we have other ceiling quarterbacks to talk about that could match that 40 point output. Um, and at the same time, David Montgomery, 6,100, Khalil Herbert injured. We were expecting bell cow usage. So I'm curious, are you playing them together? Are you going into this week thinking you have to play one or the other as leverage off of the other? Where are your thoughts right now on these two players in particular?
0: Yeah. On, on, On FanDuel, the quarterback pricing is kind of bunched together. So I think we'll see a lot of these guys kind of cannibalize each other. Um, And then Dave Montgomery is super cheap on FanDuel. So there's going to be a huge gap there. On DraftKings, I don't think... One, to answer your your question, I'm definitely not playing them together. Um, I don't think Fields is going to be crazy popular on DK because we have... Now that we have Josh Allen and the Bills in Detroit, assuming they could make it there, they can't travel right now. um, They're going to be more popular than we initially thought. And then these sub 6k quarterbacks, I think are going to steal quite a bit of ownership in the same game as fields. um, We're going to have uh, Marcus Mariota, who's sub 6k and then Daniel Jones is in a good spot against Detroit sub 6k. So I think probably fields will be the leverage off of David Montgomery, especially because People are, they saw a lot of lineups be very successful uh, without stacking fields last week. He's rushing so much that a lot of lineups that do play him are probably going to play him without stacking him. And those that do, when you do stack him, you're going to be stacking him with a low owned player. So I I think that's the way to play that game.
1: That's fair. Uh, It's also interesting that you say Mariota and Daniel Jones will catch some steam here. Um, I initially had Daniel Jones in my player pool as well. I think he is a good play, but assuming the Bills make it to indoors into Detroit, I mean that adds another forty-point quarterback on this slate. So that's why I actually didn't include Daniel Jones. I took him out of my initial player pool because I just thought, man, like uh, and Detroit has allowed a, a top a QB one in five of seven games or five of their last seven games. Um, including the overall QB one and two of their last three contests since the buy. But overall, like it's hard to argue for Mariota or Daniel Jones when Jalen hurts, Justin Fields and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are just right there.
0: Yeah, that's fair. But uh, yeah. And at the same time, I mean, I I think if, if one of those guys gets a lot of the ownership, it's going to be, uh, the guy with the highest total and, and the best, probably the, the best fantasy quarterback in the league um, and Josh Allen. So it's, you know, there's only so much ownership to go around. So I don't think we're going to be in a position where we see uh, like fields at like 15 or 20% or anything, like maybe he's around 10%, but that's obviously not something that's killing us. And then again, with his pass catchers, they're going to be uh, all low owned guys. So if you do stack them, you're getting um, somewhat unique right there. My, my decision point is, kind of a piggyback off yours it's more of a a general broad perception of what's been happening the last few weeks um and that's just our confidence in our ownership projections um ownership has been we're, we're still fairly accurate at least in terms of um our how we're tiering our ownership projections that's usually pretty easy to do. Uh, and then like the, the most popular guys, usually pretty easy to pinpoint. Um, but these, especially at running back, someone at, at receiver to these running backs in this, like projecting to like this 10 to 20% range uh, people are, are really going hard on on one or two guys and, and fading a couple guys that we thought were in good spots so we've seen these guys that typically fall in this maybe 12 to 15 range and up in like 25 percent and then guys that are in the same projected area down at like you know, seven, eight uh, percent. We saw it last week with with Tony Pollard. who' was twenty five percent in the millimaker maker. Um, and I, I mean, it, it was obviously a good spot. We had a lot of news that Zeke was unlikely to play, but in a late window where there's any uncertainty in the past, we just t- typically haven't seen those kind of plays be at twenty five percent. So I, I think going forward, we need to not only be aware of our volatility in our point projections but volatility in our um ownership projections i mean so how do you account for that i mean it's kind of hard to do but you, when you're building you just need to understand that if guys are in that range we're not going to be able to confidently say that a 15 percent guy is a 15 percent guy and and to offset that I, I think when you are playing your your chalk we need to be uh, extra aware of having some uh you know uber contrarian plays because if if you have i don't know say a guy that you think is going to be say say 15% and then two like 7 or 8% guys you think that's contrarian enough and then he that that 15% guy ends up being 25% it's going to be really hard to separate from the field so just being aware of those things
1: and as every sunday night at halftime live of the sunday night football game uh, I did show my lineup and discuss what winning lineups did? Just the overarching view. Quick five to ten minute video I do. If you want to join moving forward, but I my lineup actually had quite a few ten to fifteen percent or ten to twelve percent players sprinkled in, and that's because I did get ownership projections wrong last week, um, and I was pretty upset at myself, thinking I was going to get this guy at six or seven percent, and I wouldn't have played him if he was eleven percent because that's a huge difference, especially for um, the large field recreational tournaments like the slant and everything that i show in that show uh sometimes i'll pull up the single entries and quadruple ups if i think that's the best analogy for the slate but no last week it really was about everyone the field still played justin fields the winner obviously had tony pollard and to your point i i think morning news we need to be aware of because it doesn't really and i mean morning by like the last 30 minutes of kickoff it really doesn't move the needle um, you know, Mike McCarthy was standing at Lambeau Field getting interviewed and said at 12:30 p.m. Eastern that, and that's remember this is only 30 minutes until the first slate of games kicks off. He even said, "I don't think Zeke is going to play today." Like that's the most important information of the entire slate because then Tony Pollard should be 60% rostered. Uh, and right. so he was only 30, 35%. Sure. No matter what happened, I was definitely going to play him anyhow. So. Maybe we take that into account more moving forward as well, Absolutely. but it does seem like it does seem like what we project right now, what we're projecting on four four. Um, you should pad it a little more for smaller field tournaments. Thinking um, these are sharper plays, and so these sharper players are going to steam those players, and ownership will naturally be higher. Uh, and that's kind of how I've been trying to gauge everything. It's kind of like adding five percent to smaller field for our projections.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. The difference between the the size of your field is going to make a a huge impact in those, you know, those Tony Pollard type plays from last week. Those are going to be... way more popular so so make sure you are uh you know just following us on on twitter throughout the week and, and hopping in the discord if you are a sub so we can hash out some of those ideas uh and obviously i'm gonna do my best to get us the best ownership projections possible um, but we're seeing a lot of volatility in those this year which is pretty surprising so uh we'll keep talking about that um as we've been doing every single week as a kickoff to our dfs week uh we build a card for underdog underdog pick them a lot of these plays um, slide right into kind of our thoughts just around the general week and and around the um, how we are playing DFS we are building a lot of correlation into these sometimes too. And it's just a, a another way for you guys to uh, leverage four for four projections. So we've been doing it every week today. We are going to the, the problem. I mean, you know, we, we, we build a lineup on, on Thursday and you get uh, a Sam Ellinger last week. who doesn't play, but uh, that's neither here nor there uh, earlier in the week, the, the better lines you're going to get. So let's get back at it again today and uh, build another card working off of four for four projections and and see if we could get on the right track here. So do you, uh, you got anything you want me to look at? First thing,
1: go ahead and get us started.
0: Okay. Um, the one that, uh, really stands out to me is Terry McLaurin. Uh, I believe he is, let's see, he's at 59 and a half receiving yards. Uh, we have a lot to say about him, um, in this show. And uh in our content. So I won't give a huge breakdown right now, but I will say we have not projecting for just under 90 yards, 89.6. So that's a huge difference. Uh, do you have any uh any pull on on McLaurin, either it as a bad take or is it a really good play?
1: I think it's an amazing play, especially the matchup was great already, but uh Derek Stingley, Texans number one cornerback, has been ruled out for that game as well. So uh there is literally nothing else to talk about. It's an amazing spot for Terry McLaurin.
0: Yeah, we're going to be coming back to that game in a little bit. Um, Anything stand out to you?
1: Oh, you took my McLaurin. Um, You know, what what is Cole Komet projected at? Because uh, he is annoying for redraft because he's now scored. Remember, this is a player who just didn't score touchdowns in his career. Now he scored five on his last 11 catches. Uh, We have him, Christian Watson, basically being the Hunter Henrys of of their respective positions. But you know, the Falcons are allowing the a five and a half catches per game, the second most per contest. So it's, it's frustratingly another good spot for Cole commit to creep by here, whether or not he sees the same season high in target share as he did last week. So over 29 and a half, we haven't projected for 52 and a half.
0: Yeah, that's a really good number. And, uh, I, I mean, the, the thing that I was worried about commit is I thought last week we would saw, we would see Claypool's. uh, routes snaps target share claypool go up. everywhere too yeah me too um and we just didn't see that so uh, i don't know if the third week is the charm for him but as of now uh we just don't have an indicator that that claypool is um a, a guy that we can trust i believe you had him in uh in, in the drops report last week too
1: i did um it's just it's just weird like we can't trust it because his route participation went down And his second game learned the playbook, not up, not stagnant. It went down Um, really strange. And that was, I understand like Byron Pringle was available for the first time since week three, but that was still like his first game back from injury. And they ran Pringle out there for more routes. So Claypool was used as their fifth wide receiver. I don't know why we have any faith. He's going to be their number three even. So yeah, I'm absolutely on board for Cole Komet here.
0: Yeah, that correlates with the idea of this projection. I don't know if I love the projection, so um, feel free to to tell me to go on to another one. But the the biggest value we're pointing at right now on four for four, based on our um, on our tools, is Justin Fields under. 71 and a half rushing yards now that's a crazy high rushing prop for a quarterback i know he has huge rushing totals over the last two games. his average for the season is 75 yards he's been under uh 70 yards in six of 10 games but over the last four games the difference has been uh since their their mini by the thursday game is that it's a lot of designed runs these last four weeks so our projection says way under I kind of feel like that's kind of a sharp line, but usually when I go against the projections, I'm wrong. Um, so do you have a lean on that?
1: I don't want to bet against Justin Fields um, right now, especially with double-digit carries and four, what, three of his last four games. Um, yeah, I don't – I mean, I, I trust our projections, but I don't want to bet against Justin Fields right now.
0: Yeah, I, I especially agree because with like
1: that. those those numbers, it was still high for a quarterback previously. Like last week, I think his rushing over was fifty eight, uh, and you know he smashed it by nearly a hundred. So <laughs> um, I want to do that. Um, I, I will. Uh, what about look at Alvin Kamara since Mark Ingram ruled out Dwayne Washington? Right now, the only other active running back on the roster. Uh, I believe they even waived Jordan Howard. They may have re-signed him back to the practice squad. I haven't seen that just yet. But, you know, the past two games, Andy Dalton has not gotten Alvin Kamara involved. I believe, like, this will be an emphasis game for Alvin Kamara, where, like, otherwise Dalton loses his job by halftime.
0: Yeah, his rushing prop is off the board. His receiving prop's at 34 and a half. Uh, uh, what do you think we, about we, his
1: receptions? Is that too close?
0: I mean, we're projecting him for 45 yards receiving. So that's actually a pretty low projection.
1: Okay. I'm I'm down for higher. I, I do I like think that. it's a it's an emphasis game. Also, like we know in DFS people are gonna play the Saints defense for a reason. Like that would also lend itself to Kamar just like being the workhorse here without Ingram.
0: Also, Rams uh offensive line just keeps getting uh I mean uh, Saints offensive line keeps getting worse. Uh Aaron Donald's going to be wreaking havoc. So it's going to be get that ball out quick, which means Camara uh, should have the game. So uh, three player card, 25 bucks. Let's get this thing on the right track. Uh, if you guys are listening Instead of watching, we post this every single week on our Twitter. And uh, hopefully all the lines are still up when you guys hear this. So check out the Twitter there uh, if you want to look at the card. If you haven't signed up yet, go to 444.com underdog. Use the promo code 444. When you sign up for a new underdog account, that'll get you a free DFS sub at 444 as well as a 100% deposit match bonus up to $100. Let's get into the meat and the potatoes of the show, the DFS plays of the week, starting with your quarterback, my cover boy, who you like this week.
1: Jalen hurts. If We are trying to match. Josh Allen ceiling is yet again in an amazing spot here. Uh, I throw last week's or Monday night's performance out the window. Like just think what had to happen. The commanders ran the ball 40 times just between their running backs. Uh, uh, the Eagles had 22 plays through the mid-third quarter and ended up with only 45 plays just because Washington literally played bully ball with them. And not, so not only have we been in this situation before, we, we think we're going to get Jalen Hurts under-rostered for game script reasons. Uh, we also know he can match Josh Allen's ceiling. And we also know that if, if like, against the Steelers a few weeks back, this is the same situation where everyone was talked off of him again for game script purposes. And then suddenly he threw for 280 and four touchdowns, basically all in the first three quarters. And then it didn't even matter anymore. Um, he still matched their ceiling. So given that we know how the Colts play defense, Gus Bradley never seen a snap. He doesn't like where he doesn't run cover three, uh, Second in the league, 47% of the Colts' snaps come from cover three. And Jalen Hurts quietly leads the league with 10.5 yards per attempt against zone coverage. Um, So I I think it's an amazing ceiling spot, especially given the soft performance on Monday night. And again, double stacking the Eagles, A.J. Brown, uh, Devontae Smith in a game without Dallas Goddard. And so we think the target tree becomes more concerted to their best players as well. Like, I, I think this is the week to take it all in and soak it up.
0: Yeah. Uh, this is the only game on the slate where, on the main slate, where both teams are top 10 in neutral, uh, pace over the last six weeks. In that same time, time span, both teams are top, uh, 12 in rate over expectation so that bodes well um for if there is some shootout potential there which I, I don't know if the colts can keep up or if they're gonna let matt ryan throw that much but uh rate over expectation has been kind of high uh for for both teams and then you talked about Devonte smith one of the interesting things from a tournament perspective here is that on the on the indie side we might get Popular Michael Pittman and also on on DraftKings, maybe a popular Paris Campbell. Uh, Devontae Smith is priced almost identical to Pittman on both sides, so you're gonna get uh, some leverage there. Uh, a, a low owned stack option, no matter who you pair with Hertz. No other player now that Goddard's out, besides AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, have a target share over seven and a half percent on the year. So, to your point, like there, it's not like a you know, one it's gonna be a a committee tight end approach. They got they got uh, separate tight ends for for blocking and and passing situations. I think everything just condenses on AJ and Devonte this week.
1: And I'm going to be overweight on Devonta Smith. Anyhow, I probably should have saved that for the Discord. But I, I definitely like where I play Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I'm trying to find ways to tack on AJ Brown. Expensive on both sites, but given that everyone else will probably try to get to digs and Justin Jefferson, who I actually think is a really good fade this week. Uh, we'll talk about that more on Sunday morning. Then I, I love A.J. Brown's spot, too. So whether you use Devontae Smith the standalone option or bring him along with Jalen Hurts, you don't even have to have a Colts run back. Like you said, Paris Campbell is a good option coming off a team-high 32% target share tie with Michael Pittman and Jeff Saturday's first game helping call plays. But but nonetheless, like we're going for the ceiling performance here for the Eagles, so you would just have to hope they soak up all their touchdowns through the air
0: yeah i love the eagles this week uh and especially in tournaments i I mean on fando at least you could probably get to Jalen and cash um I, i don't know if you could do it on dk uh the Another ceiling quarterback this week is Lamar Jackson, the biggest favorites of the week. Baltimore favored by 13. Lamar at 8,400 on both sides. The biggest boon to his passing outlook, to Lamar's passing outlook, is the fact that Mark Andrews should be back. Carolina's hurting in their secondary. They're already a struggling defense ranked in the bottom half of the league and schedule adjusted points allowed to every single position except tight end, but they're still 14th against tight end, so they're middling. It's not like they're good. They're not going to take away uh, Mark Andrews. Everyone's talking about uh, Justin Fields rushing upside and rushing floor. I mean, Lamar's still averaging 71 rushing yards per game on the ground. So he has as safe of a floor as any quarterback um, in the league. We have him as a top two value on both sides, the top uh, value on DraftKings. He's priced between Allen and Hurts on FanDuel. We mentioned that these quarterbacks are kind of bunched up together uh, on, on FanDuel. On DraftKings, he's the QB four, he's $8. Uh, eight hundred dollars less than Allen. That's a huge gap between Lamar and the QB one. So you're getting a lot of, even though eighty four hundred is expensive on DK, you're getting a lot of value relative to uh to the top quarterbacks on Lamar here.
1: What are your thoughts if Lamar is ruled out on Tyler Huntley? Uh, Lamar DMP Friday because he has, uh, as JJ Zacharyson has said, he basically has the immune system of JJ's child, um, and and we've seen Tyler Huntley uh, last year, remember, against the Packers show up pretty much in the same spot and literally won tournaments. He threw for 215 and two touchdowns, rushed for 70 and two touchdowns because he has that kind of ceiling and we will get him at basically the minimum price on both sides. So if Lamar's ruled out, he doesn't get any better. What are your thoughts about Huntley on this slate?
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm usually pretty optimistic on on illnesses, um, especially when it's this early in the week. But I mean, if it comes down to a, a Sunday last second late, especially if we don't get news till Sunday morning, like I'm switching everything up and playing Huntley because people just like. I mean, you talked about late news. If it's a a final uh, like inactives list and Lamar is out and we get a Huntley, like I'm. I'm playing that. In Is it chalk? Will be
1: willing to eat if it if it comes in as a Schefter bomb Saturday night.
0: If it comes in as a Schefter bomb, that'll probably change things a little bit. Um, I probably won't be as bullish in it. But if it's a if it's a a last last minute announcement, game time decision deal, um, I'm I'm like having contingency plans all over the place.
1: That's what I'm kind of planning for just in case right now, since that's literally three K off the other quarterbacks. Like you, it would be a whole lineup change. Uh, And then I'd be wondering who gets lost. It'd probably be Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields, not Josh Allen at the top. So just something I'm trying to plan everyone for.
0: Yeah. If we get to tomorrow night and it sounds like it's a serious, questionable situation, my advice would be just to build one Huntley lineup, just like on the side, just to see what a build looks like. So that if we do have to wait to the last minute, that you have some kind of idea of like what that, that build looks like for you. And you're not just like throwing darts. Um, Let's move on to running backs. I, Absolutely love this call from you, and I wish I would have thought about it myself.
1: It is so volatile and touchdown-dependent in Corderell Patterson because not only the Falcons targeting their running backs, Marcus Mariota targeting his running backs at the league's lowest rate in the league, but Patterson is very clearly touchdown-dependent and volatile. We saw that in, in his return from injured reserve leading the team with 11 carries and 14 touches, did score two touchdowns, but then the short turnaround last week, uh, only six touches overall, second on the team behind Tyler Algiers' 11. Having said that, this Falcons offense, since the Bills got moved indoors to Detroit, now this Falcons offense still has the third highest team total on the slate, uh, over 26 points. And all their options are literally hold your nose, cross your fingers, don't watch the game. But at the same time, um, it's so volatile that we've seen now in this two game span, of course, Patterson can yet again lead the team in touches. And since I am chalking it up to the short turnaround, because that was a not only just fewer touches, that was a season low six, like his, his lowest mark. So I have to assume it was for the short turnaround, uh, you know, 6700 on Fandle in particular is so cheap. And that's a site where we catch up on touchdowns, anyhow. So why wouldn't I play them there? So I, I love Cordero Patterson for tournaments.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially like I said, if people want to go cheap Atlanta passing game, um, it just seems pretty crazy to be for such a, a slow-paced, um, run-heavy team. Even though they've upped, they've upped it a little bit in recent weeks, but I mean, there's still nothing right home about uh, I, I anything to get away from. Mariota probably not chalk but semi-popular even like like if I'm ever playing someone like Mariota I want him at 1% not 8% so that makes a lot of sense to me uh staying in this game the chalk of the week especially on Fandle but our cash game lock of the week is Dave Montgomery 6200 Fandle 6100 DraftKings. Khalil Herbert is on IR Chicago a run heavy team people can easily just say well yeah that's all Justin Fields if we look at only running back rushes they're fifth in total running back rushes so there's a lot still to go to montgomery even though fields is taking a lot of design runs himself um we've already seen earlier in the year that khalil Herbert gets a huge snap and touch share as the standalone back as you said in your article today we should pretty much assume the same goes to uh, Montgomery this week. Atlanta is the only team ranked in the bottom 10 and schedule adjusted points allowed to every single skill position. They've allowed 15 or more half PPR points to, to a running back in six of the last seven games. So huge floor there against this defense. We have Montgomery as the best sub seven K value on FanDuel, the best sub 6,500 value on DraftKings. He's going to open up a ton for you. In cash games, um, going to be very, very popular. So keep that in mind as we talked about at the top of the show. But uh, you know, Chuck's been hitting, so what does it matter?
1: Chuck's been hitting, life doesn't matter, and he's probably going to rival uh, Josh Jacobs from like three weeks ago with 45 50% ownership just because of the the landscape of the slate as well and people wanting to pay up for wide receivers. Um, I, I think, and we're get, we're about to get there, I think there are a lot of really good ceiling, cheap options at wide receiver. Honestly, Um, I love the wide receiver slate this week. And so I don't feel like I necessarily need to go up at running back. Uh, Montgomery is the chalk. I will, I will eat this week. Um, Single entries cash game. I'm just going to play them. I'm not going to question it.
0: uh, Let's talk about one of those uh, low salary options um, opposite a very chalky play that we've already touched on briefly.
1: I think Nico Collins is a salary saver on both sides, but 4,100 on DraftKings in particular is pretty egregious. Uh, I almost wish he wouldn't have had that team-high 37% target share this past game because then maybe we could sneak him by a little more. But he's out-targeted now in his last three full games of Brandon Cooks. He's out-targeted Cooks 21-20 to and just out him by a landslide. 196 receiving yards to Cooks' is 114. Uh, the commanders, the boundary in particular, but – by wide receivers is where you attack them. They've allowed the fifth most fantasy points per game to opposing wideouts. So given that, and maybe it means nothing, but Davis Mills has now started 11 games at home, 11 games on the road. He's averaging 1.3 more yards per attempt at home than on the road. He's also thrown 19 touchdowns at home compared to just six on the road. Uh, Pretty heavy, like, land side side splits. So I, I, I also, I talked about this on Move the Line earlier this week. I didn't suggest it. I just said uh, I bet the Texans to cover at least a field goal earlier in the week because I think it's a really good spot for them uh, of a commander's team that just ran 81 plays on on a short week. And it was like the biggest win of the season, knocking off an undefeated team in week 10. So overall, like I love the spot for Texans and I love the spot for Texans through the air in particular. So I love Nico Collins this week.
0: Yeah, I got some um some mini stack opportunities there with the chalk on the other side that uh let me I'll just jump to that play right now uh Terry McLaurin at 7300 on FanDuel 5900 on DraftKings. Uh we talked about him in the Pick'em segment. Uh ever since Tyler Heineke has taken over. McLaren has been everything that we've wanted him to be this season. He's fourth in target share since Heineke took over first in air yard share. He's seen eight plus targets per game in every game with Heineke. Uh, if we look at fantasy points allowed, Houston looks like they're tougher versus the pass versus the run. That That's probably a lot of game script um has a lot to do with with game script and them being behind a lot but in terms of efficiency they're still very very bad 29th in explosive pass uh pass rate allowed 30th in fantasy points per target allowed to perimeter wide receivers as you noted in your article that's where Terry lines up uh, a vast majority of the time we have Terry as the wide receiver for value on FanDuel. he's our top value at wide receiver on DraftKings fire up Terry in all formats
1: there's not much to say. Uh, I, I hope he doesn't gain too much ownership because Terry McLaurin is an amazing play this week. Uh, I, I still keep wondering whether more people are going to go one of Antonio Gibson or Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson's really cheap on Fanduel. He makes a lot of sense since we're trying to score touchdowns there anyways. But either way, Terry McLaurin is a great play. Great play.
0: Yeah. Uh, You have another salary saver that i wrote up and i didn't think anybody else was going to be on him and then i see your article this morning and you wrote him up too so hopefully we're hopefully we're on this uh, bandwagon together
1: not only are we on him i I fear i fear he may catch on by sunday i could be wrong he could get lost in the mix because darius slayton is in that weird spot on DraftKings at 5k to where like you can go a little slightly more up for a sexier option or go down to save value. So maybe he gets lost in the shuffle. But 20.9% target share across his last three games, a team-high 2.4 yards per route run, an elite mark since he started intermittently rotating in in week four when he got healthy. Um, He has, for fantasy, for redraft leagues, he's been a top 36 receiver in four of his last five games and a top 20 receiver in two of his last three. They benched Golly at halftime last week after his second drop of the first half. Slayton was on the field to come out of the locker room, and literally that possession, he scored a 54-yard touchdown uh, right in the third quarter to begin. So, like Slayton is here, remember, he may be a fifth-round receiver. He may have had to earn a role in the Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman era who don't have any idea how to evaluate personnel anyways. But remember, Dane Brugler actually had him ranked as a top 50 player in his draft class, it's just off-field issues pushed him down to day three. And so Slayton is a terrific prospect when given a full allotment of routes, which now we believe he's suddenly going to be doing, can smash. And that's what receivers do against this Lions defense. So, yeah, Slayton, Slayton. It's also great because Slayton is a pivot off of Saquon Barkley, and that's what makes me interested in him.
0: Yeah, I, I think as far as Slayton's ownership goes, I think if he was going to catch some steam, it would have been most likely because Jones was going to catch some steam and and you need to figure out who the hell to stack him with. I think probably the bills game getting moved to Detroit takes enough ownership away from the field that neither player just gets like crazy popular. Like maybe Slayton is 6% instead of 1%. um, But I, I think that's, probably on the very high end of his ownership projection the lions have filtered a lot of their wide receiver points to the middle of the field they've allowed the most fantasy points per target to wide receivers in the slot they're actually top 10 against perimeter wide receiver that's on a per target basis now um and if you ask you know the average person who the giant slot receivers they probably say Wandale robinson but 54 percent of slayton's targets have come while he's lined up in the slot so they switch that up a little bit so slayton's gonna have Plenty of it, uh, opportunity to take advantage of that. There, he's a good play. Uh, At the top of the salary rankings, but still one of our best values of the week, Uh, CeeDee Lamb, 8,100, FanDuel, 7,500, DraftKings at Minnesota. We saw that crazy game with Buffalo last week. That wasn't a fluke, at least in terms of Minnesota giving up uh, the booty in the air. They're 26th in schedule adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. They've faced the fifth highest pass rate over expectation this year. They've allowed the highest. Explosive pass rate uh, since Dak's return. Dallas, fifth in overall EPA, eighth in pass EPA per play, and seventh in explosive pass rate. After a couple of weeks, we were maybe getting a little worried about CD's volume with Dak but uh that all normalized last week with his 15 targets obviously don't expect that every week but it's probably somewhere in that average range over those last few weeks i think 9 to 10 targets uh per game the rest of the way is a pretty uh reasonable outlook for CD Lamb we have him as a top 3 value on both sides he is our top overall wide receiver value on FanDuel
1: the only thing i say is uh in my heart of hearts, despite his matchup, despite the fact he's come on lately with Dak Prescott, I can't possibly play 35% CD Lamb in tournaments. I cannot do it. Fresh off of career highs and catches and receiving yards, his highest DraftKings point performance as well of the entire season, I can't do it. I won't do it.
0: No, no. On on FanDuel uh, uh, at seven at 81, I'll, I think 30% is reasonable. I... I don't know, again, b- because I, I really have to try to think through how, and, and look at the numbers of how much that Buffalo game is going to impact uh, ownership because uh, Stephon Diggs is in a similar salary range. So again, if if Buffalo takes enough ownership away, at least on DraftKings, I, I think maybe we can get like 19 or 20% CD, but I, I have to think about that a lot by tomorrow or by Sunday.
1: That's fair. But right now, yes, at his, at his projected ownership, if I think it stays that high, uh, I, I can't do it. I just can't do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if we're eating the chalk, it's usually, usually at running back. No blanket statements, but it usually makes more sense. Um, moving on to tight end, I actually like this whole team right now, um, at least to win, and then uh, you like one of their pass catchers.
1: Yeah, so tight end, it's really interesting. And if we lose Mark Andrews, this is a a list. That's the big point. That then we then this is a Kelseyless slate, and thus maybe no tight end matters whatsoever. It gets really ugly. And if that's the case, honestly, uh, I have a sicko play I slipped into my tournament article in the tight end section. I didn't write it. I didn't detail him yet. I'm waiting for the injuries news. But um, I will write up an absolutely sick play that I may slide into tournaments on FanDuel in particular. That's a hint because that's the only place you can get him. But for, for cheap tight ends, um, I really think, because everyone's going to try to play Jack Stoll, but I, I think Tyler Conklin is like the most confident we can be. And we saw before the Jets buy that I think the fallout, yes, Denzel Mims is running more routes in place of Corey Davis. But with Corey Davis ruled out again in this one, um, we saw really that Tyler Conklin has benefited the most with that Corey Davis. Davis, In particular, he ran a route on 83% of dropbacks before the bye, his second highest mark of the season, and also recorded uh, just two targets. But the fact that he secretly snuck in there for those routes and the week prior – Two weeks prior, remember, he averaged a 23.5% target share. So I don't really worry about that blip on the radar with two targets and 8% target share, considering he was still out there running routes. So I do like the Patriots' defense as a contrarian pay-up spot since a couple weeks ago, uh, Mac Jones was still under center, Zach Wilson was still under center. Like It's the same exact spot. There's no reason to believe that the, the Jets are suddenly going to get better in this spot. But at the same time, I think one of them get there because remember – in that MillieMaker lineup, you even wrote this up against the Patriots. Well, the MillieMaker, of course, it got a little lucky because the MillieMaker always gets a little lucky. They played naked Zach, uh, they played naked Garrett Wilson and Tyler Conklin. But in small field tournaments, the winner had either Tyler Conklin or Garrett Wilson in a blowout game script. I think we're kind of looking at the same thing. And on a week we're tied into so ugly, Tyler Conklin being the cheapest, most confident option, who just had just two targets. Uh, there's more reason for him to soak up more opportunities. So I do like Tyler Conklin a lot.
0: Yeah, when I made uh, ownership projections yesterday before the Thursday night game, uh, we had Mark Andrews as a limited practice participant, uh, 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 questionable. It, he is a full practice today. All, all uh, signs are that he is going to play. So it's not, I mean, I don't think it's going to come down to like fade mark andrews or not it's going to come down to especially if you're building multiple lineups just it's going to be completely different builds with him um one thing that i noticed this week when you are if we look at the top tournament lineups just at the millionaire uh when lineups top one percent lineups have had a running back in the flex they've typically spit down at tight end uh around 4k average salary when they have um spit uh when they have flexed a wide receiver, it's because they've spit up at tight end. They've averaged around five thousand dollars in tight end salary when they're flexing a receiver. So basically, what that's saying is, if you are paying up at tight end, you are and, and you try to force a third running back, you're really limiting the upside of your lineup just because uh you aren't able to get as many ceiling players in your lineup with that high tight end salary so just a little interesting note to keep in mind again it's it's not a uh no hard and fast rules in dfs but a trend we've seen this year spin up at tight end be more likely to flex wide receivers spin down be more likely to flex a running back on DraftKings. hopefully that is a trend that we could take advantage of those little um micro edges are always fun for me
1: And if and if we lose Mark Andrews, I mean, yeah, we saw on Monday night before the Ravens went on by Isaiah likely had a roller coaster of a game, but he still ran around on 81 percent of drawbacks. Like he was out there and had a couple drops, but he showed explosiveness in scoring that red zone touchdown. So um, Isaiah likely will will definitely get rostered everywhere, Uh, whether whether Andrews gets ruled out or whether Lamar Jackson gets ruled out, because you know, those that a hundred percent catch rate and over four yards per route run from the preseason, that was all done with Huntley in the lineup.
0: Oh, if we somehow like not until, uh, pre pregame inactives get no Lamar, no Andrews, I would smash the Huntley button and the likely button immediately. Uh, this is going to be we were talking about, um, confidence and ownership this week. This one is going to be really interesting to see how the field plays Denver versus Las Vegas because Las Vegas is uh, arguably the worst defense in the league, one of the worst defenses in the league outside top 20 and schedules just the points allowed to every uh, position, their last and pass EPA per play allowed. So there's a lot of matchup indicators and and uh, breakout models pointing to players like Greg Dulcich, who is my tight end and Cortland Sutton. But does the public trust to play the Broncos? Like, they're, I think they're right now, I have like middling ownership projections on them. I, I think probably the industry is going to kind of say like, you know, 7 to 12% on these Broncos pass catchers or passing game. Um, but I think it could be like, like a really big swing. I think people could just really lean into the matchup or just completely fade it and we get surprised that they're really low on. But regardless, uh, I, I think I'm taking a shot. At Dulcich, despite the anemic Broncos passing game, uh teams have exceeded their team total in every single game since week two against the Raiders. The only time Denver has scored over 21 points against the Raiders, Dulcich seventh seventh in expected fantasy points over the last three weeks, according to the four for four breakout receiver model. He's third among tight ends in that span, but in that span, the second most points below expectation. So hopefully. I know it's Denver, but hopefully some positive regression there. Uh, Judy and KJ Hamler are out. Kendall Hinton is questionable. We have Dulcich as the top three value on both sides. I'm firing up Dulcich.
1: Raiders also last in DVOA, defending opposing tight ends. I know the boys in the 4-for-4 betting discord were heavy on Dulcich overs. That also certainly helps. Plus on FanDuel, he's the same price as Kyle Pitts, So that makes it really interesting because I think both are good options. Kyle Pitts much more volatile, but an amazing spot as well. Uh, Again, I'm playing the Falcons offense, understanding that I'm crossing my fingers for all of them, but that's okay. We're playing tournaments here. It's just a matter of what builds make more sense. So I'm taking that down to the wire. I will also note, um, this probably is better on DraftKings, but Dulcich 3,800, Foster Moreau 3,700, and Devontae Adams is a true game time decision, being limited with an abdomen injury all week. Like, that's the late swap of the century. Is getting off Dulcich for Foster Moreau if we lose Devontae Adams because yeah, the Raiders will one. still probably suck. But I mean, there is nowhere else to go with Waller and uh, with Waller and uh, name. I'm forgetting his name.
0: Uh, um, Hunter Renfro on the IR. Hunter Renfro? Hunter Renfro.
1: Yes, it's week 11. It's been a long season.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, with with, with Devontae, too, I mean, we've seen so much of – we've had a tough time with ownership. We've seen Chalk hitting super hard. If thin, if this ends up being the the late news week, I mean, I don't care who's Chalk. I don't care how good or bad ownership projections are. If we get in this situation where we get all this news Sunday morning, um, I think the Sharps are going to have a good week, so it could be interesting. Also,
1: uh, you like how I just pretend like I'm on set and yell name as if it's a, it's a card (laughs) that the director needs to yell out to me. Yeah, Uh,
0: absolutely. Um, a lot of cheap defenses are viable this week. We've actually seen pretty sharp, uh, defensive pricing. So like, I I think the defensive player pool is is pretty wide because obviously the big favorites are in play. Um, but there's a lot of, of cheap, um, underdogs that are probably viable. Uh, but you, what, uh, value defense do you like?
1: I like a lot of value defenses, actually. Um, You know, we talked about Foster Moreau, Greg Dulcich. I even think you could play the Raiders. The Broncos are still the only offense in the NFL averaging less than 15 points per game. Um, And the Raiders are right there, and no one wants to play them. At the same time, though, I think sneaking the Steelers in could be viable here. Uh, Massive splits that Vegas still isn't accounting for with T.J. Watt in the field, the last – the last two years, going back to last year, opposing teams are averaging 6.4 yards per attempt through the year as opposed to over 9 yards per attempt when Watts off the field compared to on the field. So, like, the Steelers could definitely wreak havoc here. Also play a lot of two-eye safety, which the Bengals are still trying to figure out how to play against. As we've seen with even with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen or later on in their careers, uh, it took about a half a season for them to understand you take what the defense gives you. Burrow's still learning that. And the last time the Bengals were asked to, to block – to protect Joe Burrow against an elite pass protector, Miles Garrett in this case, like TJ Watts, remember he got dominated uh, because this line just isn't ready for that. So I really think the Steelers are a very sneaky option to sneak in.
0: Yeah. I mean, when it's, it's very, um, dangerous to look at at season-long numbers when we have instances like this it's like like dominant pass rushers just switch things up so much they swing things so much that i mean season-long projections just or or season-long totals just really don't matter like you said the splits with and without somebody like tj Watt, i think is really really important um speaking of injuries the saints are riddled with injuries but at 4,100 on FanDuel at $3,000 on DraftKings. They're going up against the Rams, who have struggled all season on offense. Their offensive line has been pretty bad, and now they're without Cooper Cup. So even though the Saints are shorthanded, so are the Rams. I'm trusting that the Rams still just have an 18-point team total. uh, Even with all the injuries on the Saints side, the Rams are bottom 10 in adjusted sack rate allowed. Saints are going to be pretty popular, but they're a great value defense. I'm probably, especially on FanDuel at 4100, locking them in the cash games on at three thousand on DK. Probably just go down to your Steelers at 2300 in cash games um, and hope that the Saints aren't overly popular, especially with the guy you mentioned earlier, Camara. Uh, I don't think Camara is going to be crazy popular in DK, so we got some mini stack options there.
1: And again, I. I think paying up for the Patriots is kind of the best way to go if you can find the salary. Sure. In sure. tournaments. Um,
0: yeah. I, we've seen pay up for defense to be contrarian. Um, well, actually, we saw $4,100 defense beat 20% the other week, but uh, paying up for defense has actually been a little bit more viable this year than we have seen in years past, but those two value defenses should save you some salary. Uh, As always, if you guys want a continuation of this and want to just get ready for all late breaking news and everything that we've changed our mind on between now and Sunday morning, uh, get access to that Discord show by signing up for a four for four subscription. As I mentioned at the top of the show, they're half off down to $49. For the rest of the year, we go through Super Bowl. If you don't have an under dog account yet you could go to four slash underdog and use the promo code four and that'll get you access to a free dfs sub with your first deposit and underdog will match your deposit 100 up to 100 uh, if you want to give back to the show the easiest thing you can do if you're listening on your podcast platform give us a five-star rating and review if you're on youtube like the video subscribe to the four channel and if you want to oh go ahead table
1: And one more thing, Uh, we're trying something new. We're overlapping our DFS and betting product even more. You and I, both in our articles and on the show, talk about betting and what we think like pro bettors are doing. Since uh, I in particular, I'm also locked in the handicapping streets, but I figured we also aren't the exact like sharpest at that and watching books throughout the week, we have other jobs. And so uh, every Friday afternoon moving forward. And by the time you're listening to this, it is most likely available on YouTube I'm doing a little 10 to 15 minute sit down with our own Sharp Clark who runs or essentially helps out in the betting discord with his favorite bets of the week. And just talking to him about the top three, top four, most impactful DFS storylines and how bettors and books are handling like that. Thus, in today's show, we talked about the Bills-Browns total, for example. We also talked about the Falcons team total, how bettors are handling that, as well as the initial line and look ahead for the Eagles and the Colts and the Cowboys-Vikings matchup. So again, I especially at this stage of the game, week 11, I definitely would not add another show on my plate and our plate if I didn't think it was pertinent, couldn't help us out. Um, so it's there now moving forward for everyone
0: yeah and sharp clark's been crushing it and i mean he puts out some of the best twitter threads um, that i've seen whether it just be about general football or, or betting or ju- uh, just betting in general um everything he puts out is awesome he is at sharp clark clark with an e nfl and then if you want to follow us on twitter as well daigle is at not j daigle i'm at tj hernandez four for four is at four for four football talk to you guys sunday morning